Welcome to the podcast for pet carers. If you're a pet parent or work in the pet care industry, then this is the podcast for you. Our show is about all things pet care, discussing everything from cats and kittens, dog training, pet nutrition, boarding, grooming, daycare, and much more. Join us fortnightly as our host and dog trainer extraordinaire, Glenn Cook, chats with leading pet industry professionals. Welcome back to the podcast for pet carers. I'm host of the show, Glenn Cook, and today I've got a special guest. I'm joined all the way from Samford by Mr. Blake De Bruin of Samford Pet Resorts. Welcome, Blake. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks for having me, everyone. Today is a topic that both you and I are acutely aware of. We've been in the industry for quite some time. What I'd like to do before we kick off is have a little bit of a background on your involvement in the industry. Blake, how long have you been in the industry? And tell us a little bit about what you've achieved in that time. Sure, no worries. Look, I've been in the industry, I would like to say, all my life, but heavily for at least the last 20-odd years. My parents started our original facility, Sanford Pet Resort, almost 40-odd years ago, um, at which time after school I sort of jumped in and um, took that over from them and um, have been managing it for them. And, yeah, so it's been exciting. And then during that time um, I've sat on the board of the Pet Industry Association of Australia and also sat as vice president of the what was the Association of Pet Boarding and Grooming. It was now the Australian Pet Care Association as well and currently still sit as the uh, vice president of that association also. Um, during that time, we've uh, redrafted the codes of practice for the animal pet boarding sector, along with doggy daycare and a number of different position statements um, to support our industry as well. So pretty involved, I would say. I would suggest so too. And that's why I wanted to have a chat with you today, not only because we've got a long-standing friendship, both professional and personal. Also, we share like a kindred spirit in the industry. There's a lot of similarities between the roles that you and I perform. So you see many of the same things that I see, which we in turn see many of the other things that other colleagues in the industry see. Even though this topic, which I'm about to announce in a minute, is not something specifically related to this pet industry, the problem is because whenever you put a pet into any type of argument or discussion, it automatically arouses emotions considerably. So the topic today is how to deal with Karens and Kens. I guess it's the worldwide slang that's now popped up for both males and females who are incredibly difficult to deal with, very entitled and very abusive on the phone, and usually results to them wanting to escalate it because they're just not happy with anything that people are saying. Another reason that I want to bring this up is we've just got through a pretty major pandemic that we're all sick and tired of talking about. It's almost to a conclusion. Most people are are now getting sick and tired of dealing with it. We're also tired of all the problems that we've had in regards to staffing from it. But what it has done is it's created a high level of arousal in people. In turn, I think it's made people feel more entitled than ever. The problem for us, for you and for me, is that we've got, and we do employ a hell of a lot of young staff, When these staff are subjected to some of these people, what I see, and I'm sure what you see, Blake, is a large amount of verbal abuse that happens on the phone. We've got a lot of young ladies, and it doesn't seem like they hold back from saying whatever's on their mind at the time. I do understand that people have the right, if something has happened or they're not entirely happy with the result of their pet or anything like that, and I understand that people are entitled to show discontent and also be able to talk about the matter. But some of the times 
it doesn't result in a civil conversation or a civilized conversation. It's actually one that's very abusive and borderline assault. How do you find that in your workplace, mate? Yeah, look, unfortunately, it's, it's not constructive for either party and for the client to enter into the discussion in that way. I mean, I, I understand that they can be upset. Yeah, look, um, absolutely. It's not how to resolve a situation and people need to realise that. I think you hit it on the head. I, I, we, you know, we get that people are stressed and um, upset over what we've dealt with over the last few years. Um, but that doesn't give anyone the right to um, treat staff, speak to staff and anyone for that matter, irrespective of their age. But to be Jumping through the phone, yelling abuse and slander at people whose fault it may not have been otherwise anyway, to try and get something for which they just really need to stop and and think about the situation as it is. I mean, hearing people complain about an animal who's gone out of its way and done something to itself for whatever reason, and think all because the animal was in our care, that it's automatically all of a sudden our fault. They need to stop and actually consider the actual situation at hand and what they're actually dealing with. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, if I went into a hotel room and I decided to eat the door off the room, that's not the hotel's fault. I mean, at the end of the day, the animal has acted in, in a way that is not reasonable or not foreseen. And uh, that's no fault of the facility if the dog's decided to eat the door or the pillow or its bed or whatever it might be. So people need to just sort of stop and, and think about that for a little bit and just consider the circumstances for what it is and not just automatically think, oh, well, it was in the care of the kennels. It's automatically their fault. I think that's just something that's really important. And that goes for whether it's a viral infection or anything like that. I mean, mate, I've just been away for two weeks and um, come back. My kids have all come back with colds. It's no fault of the hotel that we stayed at that they got a cold. Why should it be any different for a pet going into a boarding facility um, and similarly, you know, uh, coming back down with some sort of viral infection? At the same time, anywhere where animals congregate, they're at a higher risk of being exposed. I mean, that's just a reality. You can do it at a dog park. You can you can get it at walking into a vet surgery. It's a way of life. And we as humans should understand that, as you pointed out, quite rightly, more than anything over the last two years. Yet people still seem to think, as you said, as soon as an animal comes into it, the emotions are out the window and and it's, you know, they just think that they're entitled to have a go. Absolutely, mate. One of the areas where I really find a struggle, and I know that many of my staff do, and not only our staff, but staff that are all over the world, when I've spoken to people in boarding facilities, in daycare facilities, in training facilities, this is where a lot of them really struggle with this concept. One of the points that I have tried to express clearly, not only to staffing roles, but also pet owners themselves, is what they see as a version of their dog's behavior, or even their cat, for that argument's sake, isn't necessarily what the boarding facility, daycare facility, or training facility will see, especially when it's away from them. You can relate this to people's children too. Like some people, when they have their children go and play with other kids, the parents might come back and saying, I was really surprised by your child's behavior. And as a parent, you might be insulted by that and think, why did my child behave like that with you? What's the story or the scenario around that? And I've seen situations where parents have talked about situations over children with this. Like, why is my child behaving like this? He never does this at home. Because the child feels that there are restrictions and boundaries where they don't have to do that. And maybe they feel that there are liberties with the other child's parents or even in that home setting that the child doesn't have to perform in that same standard. So suddenly you see this emergence of a different type of character or behavior that comes out of the child. This is very similar to what 
pet carers see with dog and cat behavior. We see dogs that sometimes can be very timid where the owners will say, well, he's never like that. What did you do? That's an immediate loaded question that comes back. Like, did you hurt my dog or did you do something? Here's the thing, right? With pet carers, it's our business and our industry to care for pets, not to assault them or not to send them back in a poorly condition. So our modus operandi, or MO, is to look after them to the best of our ability to try and produce the best possible result we can, if at all, to send them home in a better state. So we don't want to arouse pets and we don't want to have a fearful environment for them. We want to actually keep them calm, keep them rested, try and induce a good time with play, with outdoor sessions, with staff that care, with staff that are qualified. So we provide a background and a setting where that environment is more conducive to the animal's mental state when it comes to stay for us. Because leaving home and being in a different environment, whether you're a child, a parent, a person, a dog, a cat, a horse, is going to create a level of stress. That's quite normal. That happens. People have to understand that change of environment induces stress. What we want to do is try and minimize it. So it's a highly insulting prospect But I understand it from the owner's point of view when they've never seen anything differently. But still, it's highly insulting for a lot of the staff when they start getting that loaded question. What did you do to my pet? Did you hurt or did you assault or did you neglect my pet or do anything like that? I think for a lot of the staff that I've spoken to over a period of time, many of them have felt quite wounded over that question because that's the last thing that they possibly want to do, if I haven't made that clear before. What are your thoughts on that, mate? Yeah, look, absolutely. And I think that leads into the health point of that question as well is is similarly, I mean, animals coming into a facility, they might be regular clients or irrespective. We don't live with those animals constantly. So coming into a an area where there's lots of things going on, there's lots of animals, new people, um, uh, you know, as you said, their demeanour, their temperaments will change. And that's something that we can only monitor. But at the same time, it highlights the points of, of things that we don't always recognise changes in temperament and personality with the dog as well. I mean, if a dog comes in and it's normally a bouncy, happy dog coming into a circumstance where there's lots of other new dogs and new people, he may be different. And for us, if that's the first thing we've seen when they've walked in, then that's what we believe that to their temp- to be their temperament or the way that they are. So any change from that is very difficult for a pet carer to pick up on unless they intimately know that dog as well. So coming back to the health side of things, similarly, I think it plays a part there as well in obviously any change in in habits, eating habits and toileting and those sorts of things as well. It's almost a matter we we start from scratch each time and uh, we relearn how that animal is to act and behave and and, and so forth. And we do our best to make any judgments of those demeanors being different, what they normally would be at home. And that's all we can sort of base our um, interpretations on in order to act on any given circumstance that may arise during the pet's stay. That's a very good point. Often what we call that is baselining of behaviours. The experience or the exposure that we get to the baseline behaviour may be somewhat different or extremely different than what the owner is used to seeing and has a understanding of. Nonetheless, to give a, a bit of a case example, I'm going to talk about an experience that happened recently at one of my centres It's not unlike anything that happens. A dog went home and the dog had like a slight runniness of the eye. Now, in all the situations where pets are boarding with us, we have a philosophy or even a policy where staff need to do what's called belly bums, eyes and ears. 
and they need to check that on a regular ongoing basis. They also need to make sure that they're keeping weights updated. Standard practice pretty much across the industry. Most people do exactly the same sort of thing. There are, however, some dogs that have a bit more pronounced with eye boogers and stuff like that. Nonetheless, staff should have picked it up. One of the dogs that did go home, it was a busy peak season. The person looked at the dog and said, oh, there's a bit of gunk in the corner of the dog's eye. And the staff member said, I'm sorry, so there is. Let me just get a wipe and just wipe that clean. They took the dog back, wiped it out properly with saline and everything like that, the normal thing that you would clean an eye with. Took the dog back down to the owner. They were happy. Went home and then for some reason on the way home, they thought about it in the car. The emotions got high. They rang up and said, I'm really not happy with the way this was dealt with. I want to speak to the manager. Manager then got onto the phone, spoke to the client. The client expressed their discontent about how the animal was handed back to them with a gunky eye. The manager said, yep, I'm sorry. It should have been dealt with before it came down. Did my staff member take the dog back and offer to clean the dog? Yes, they did, was the answer from the customer. Okay, well, again, I'm sorry. We should have picked that up before the dog got. Acknowledge that the eye should have been wiped. Owner seems satisfied, ends the call. Then within hours, rings back to the manager. I'm still thinking about this. I'm not happy. I think my stay should be refunded. Why are you thinking that the stay should be refunded? Because I paid premium account looking on the client's stay. It was a, a, a normal stay. But like I said, we everyone acknowledges that that dog should have had its eye wiped properly. There's no ifs, buts, or maybes about that. However, in a matter of hours, this had escalated to the owner of the dog throwing and hurling abuse at young ladies and getting really emotionally invested in this issue. As the manager pointed out, the dog wasn't in ill health. It was a slight runny eye, one of the eyes, not both, one of the eyes. The owner then started to Google vet what was wrong with the dog, came up with all these conclusions. The abuse started to escalate and the manager rang me and said, what do I do at this point in time? I said, well, one of the things that you don't do, you don't need to take abuse from somebody. Like if somebody is trying to verbally abuse you over the phone and it's become unprofessional, then explain to the person that you're not there to be spoken to like that. And you're happy to speak to them and you're happy to try and work through the issue, but not to be spoken to in that manner. And you have my permission to end the call. Then what I would suggest is if they can't calm down and if they can't regain some matter of control and some professionalism and have just some courtesy behind the discussion, then maybe it needs to be taken up in an email or escalated even onto a further person. But this had already escalated to the right person. When it goes to the resort manager, the resort manager is in a position where they can resolve most issues on the spot. It already went from a staff member receptionist to a resort manager who did the right thing and they needed to do all the checking and the procedures with the staff who dealt with it. They went backwards and forwards. They looked at the stay of the dog. The weights were good. The dog was eating. The dog's health was fine. There was nothing out of ordinary apart from a little bit of an eye goober. The type of breed would suggest that this dog is prone to that type of thing, being a short Maltese type of dog that has that sort of face. I've got French Bulldogs. My dogs get them from time to time. It's a bit of a pain. And still, even through this discussion, I'm still saying that the staff member, when they brought the dog down, they should have seen this. They should have wiped it. It should have been dealt with on the spot. What was disappointing about this whole confrontation is this person wanted it escalated all the way to the owner of the company, long story short, and they wanted their stay completely refunded. And they also wanted to take the dog to the vet to have the dog checked for something that is simply just a bit of dust in the eye or something like that. Once again, going back to the pillars of where all this began, 
yes, we acknowledge the dog should have been wiped before it came down. None of this should have escalated to the point it was, and certainly the abuse that this gentleman gave to a young lady over the phone was inexcusable and very disappointing. What I'm trying to suggest, and I'm going to come back to you in a minute, Blake, for your thoughts around this, because I'm sure you've had similar stories. But what I'm trying to suggest, if there's people out there who are listening to this podcast who aren't just involved in pet caring, but are also pet owners themselves, even if you are upset in these situations, where this went to and the level that it escalated to was inexcusable. It went from a place of having a discussion to a place of verbally threatening and being violent on the phone. There is no place for that. There should be things in place where this person is dealt with legally over issues like this because a lot of clients feel that they can speak to and abuse people in multiple retail settings around the world in in these type of situations. And frankly, it's not good enough. There needs to be more in place where clients have to restrain themselves and not be able to take it to a state like this. I'm not saying they can't be disappointed. I'm not saying they can't express that they're not happy about the service they've had in any situation, but some of them, uh, quite frankly, are going well and truly over the line. Your thoughts? Look, Glenn, I absolutely agree with you, and I couldn't have said it much better. At the end of the day, nobody deserves to be spoken to in that manner, and in all, in all situations are able to be solved peacefully. It's just disappointing that those sorts of scenarios happen. Two things come to mind. I think the expression of firing a client is, is one of relevance. I mean, I think that's a point that has come up many times in many different conferences that I've been at. And at the end of the day, cutting a conversation short to somebody whom you just physically can't peacefully talk to and have a discussion with, it's absolutely fine for the staff, as you said, to end that conversation. I think the biggest, the biggest thing they can ever do is to be polite. Uh, I think that shuts most people down. It probably agitates those whom are aggressors in such a way, more so. But being polite and simply just saying to them, look, I want to help you resolve this situation, but until we can talk calmly, I'm going to hang up now and I'll send you an email and we can arrange a time if you want to discuss it further later. More than happy to jump back on a call with you. But I mean, shutting it down, having the power to do that, I think is, is really powerful. And then at the same time, as I said, having the confidence to uh, stand up for yourself in the circumstances where you've offered a level of care and service and to have somebody, as you said, hurl that sort of abuse towards um, a staff person over a gunky eye, something which um, the animal would have gotten at home um, or at any other time, which isn't directly related to the facility, is horrible to hear. Yeah, absolutely, mate. If there's a situation of neglect in the part of the company, I think that most organisations will assist the owner of the pet by looking into the situation and resolving it as amicably as they possibly can. You made a good point before, Blake, where you pointed out that this is pet care and dogs are moving and cats are moving and or animals are moving all the time unless they're sleeping peacefully in their bed. During the day, what we see is pets moving around. Most resorts where dogs are staying or daycare facilities are staying, they're well facilitated for pets to be able to do that and to have the energy to express themselves without damaging anything or snagging themselves on or hurting themselves. But nonetheless, dogs play. Dogs are quite energetic. They like to move around. They like to play. They like to chase. They like to jump on each other. They like to nip at each other. There's a whole bunch of things that dogs actually like to do. So, If you speak to a treating veterinarian, vets have got pets in all day long, every single day. That's their job. 
And a lot of these times that dogs hurt themselves, they happen in the presence of their owner, which dogs do those sort of things. A lot of times that my dogs have been treated by a vet, they've happened either in the presence of us or around us or even in our backyard. So a lot of times dogs hurt themselves. But that one time that it happens off property, some owners are absolutely fantastic with it. Some owners uh, understand that their pet is a little bit more rambunctious. We actually have waivers that we have signed at the facilities that we operate for many of us. And some owners take that on board. They say, you know, look, I understand my dog is like that. I'm not going to get upset over a little scratch or a bump or, you know, even if the dog has injured itself to a level, they many of them are actually quite good about it. And the conversation is very calming and very relaxed. And you'll see that client again. And many times they thank you for your care and diligence and having your staff rush them off if they need to be seen or anything like that. I'm not saying this is a regular occurrence, but I'm saying that this happens when children go to school or children go to daycare or adults go to work in workplaces. This is just a an occurrence where that life throws you a curveball sometimes and things happen. And they do in boarding and daycare facilities as well. Circling back to where we got to before, when young staff are being verbally abused in such vexatious manner by people on the phone, there really is something wrong with that situation. Now, sometimes the whole company can be subject to an outrageous claim over the actions of one rogue staff member. So there might be one person who's done the wrong thing who will be dealt with, chastised, or even terminated from that position for their negligence in their role. But yet the whole company will pay for it. Every single person in there will be raked over the coals. There'll be terrible reviews that are coming their way. I think that if the company dealt with it in a very poor manner, the way that they, if they tried to brush it under the carpet, if they didn't inform the owner, if they were rude and vexatious back to the owner and showing disrespect back, well, then they totally deserve it. I've seen reviews that have been given to colleagues in the industry. I've even spoken to them at conferences and they've explained the situation about how they went above and beyond to deal with things that are so small yet escalated to the most extreme situation of people jumping the fence, of people coming down and verbally and physically threatening staff, of legal action taken. Some of these claims are just completely outrageous, like they're so unnecessary and so demeaning to the staff. One of the real things that breaks my heart, Blake, is when I see these young girls who are afraid to answer the phone or afraid to have any further contact with this client. You can see them physically and mentally distressed by the thought of having to make contact with this person again. Have you had that before? Absolutely. It is sad and particularly, it always seems to be, as you said, the young young girls that seem to cop it. As soon as I jump on the phone or one of the other male staff, it seems to nip it in the bottom a little bit and mm. they seem to tone it down a little. But people, for some reason, seem to feel that for whatever reason, they've got the ability to stand over somebody or, or over-talk somebody and talk them down. They'll certainly take that opportunity. And yeah, we certainly get staff that do that. I tend to not let them back down. I tend to try and get them to uh, jump back on the phone call, give them the reassurance, let them know that we you know, we support them for what they're saying. And at the end of the day, they're basically um, relying on the company's procedures and policies. And these are the things that we did and, um, you know, being open and honest. And again, you know, if we follow those procedures and, and so forth um, appropriately, um, they shouldn't feel that they can't stand up and and have their two cents worth. But at the same time, as I said, Tom, if, if this, the conversation starts escalating, 
by all means, as you said, they're more than welcome to the state of the person. Clearly, we're not going to get anywhere in, in this matter. And um, you know, end the phone call now and we can talk at a later stage. So just drawing down on that, I recall a situation that happened a while back where there was a lady who expressed some concern about the way her pet came back. And her expression and her concern ended up escalating into verbal assault on one of the staff members. And as you said, when she was expressing this towards the staff member, she kind of felt really comfortable with being very violent in her escalation to the young lady that was on the end of the phone. However, when I took over the phone call, her pitch and tone changed immediately because I primarily let her know that I wasn't going to tolerate being spoken to in that same manner, but yet I was still there to help and I was trying to listen to her side of the story. She was speaking to me and saying that the staff member that was dealing with her was very rude and lacking knowledge. And I said, well, I have to disagree because I was standing next to her the entire time and she had the conversation on speakerphone. So I was a part of that conversation and I heard the way that she spoke to you and I said, I couldn't have asked her to do her job any better. And I said, I also know you from previous times that you've actually come here and I know that you've got two young daughters yourself. And I said, how would you like it if me or somebody else of my age was bearing down on the phone on your daughters? And she went silent. And I said, the lack of answering that means that you, you're considering that this isn't an acceptable option. And I said, you've got to understand that the lady that you've been speaking to on the phone has now had to go out and take a break and is visibly and physically shaken by the experience that she's had. Fortunately, in this situation, I was able to get through to the lady. She understood what I was saying. She took it on board and she apologized and she said, oh my God, I didn't realize how difficult this must have been. And, I, and I'm really sorry that my behavior has caused this. For me, that was a nice thing to have somebody accept that and to take that on board. But the problem is that's also a rare thing because some people will just fight vehemently to try and get their point across even if they're entirely wrong and even if they've crossed that line, sometimes I think they think, well, I've come this far now, I can't back down. The conclusion of this or getting to the resolving part of this conversation is sometimes we have to understand that there's two things that are competing neck and neck here and it's ego and emotion. Even though ego forms part of the emotion, sometimes people's egos are so far out of whack that they just can't say, I need to take a step back from this conversation now. They can't say, let's negotiate properly or let's talk reasonably together and have a civilized conversation. Screaming, yelling and abusing people on the phone is never really going to resolve anything. It's only going to make them think of you in an entirely different light. And I guess that's what we try and professionally convey. Just because there is a business, it doesn't mean that there isn't a thinking, caring, feeling person on the other end of that phone who had no place in any of the problem, but is still trying to resolve it for you. I recall myself getting escalated with a lady that I was dealing with with Telstra a while ago, but I never abused her. And I also stopped the conversation at one point and I said, just so you know, I understand that you're on the front line of this conversation and I'm not angry with you because you're trying to help me and you're working within the limitations that your company has provided you. And I said, I would like to take it further and speak to somebody because we don't seem to be able to get anywhere with this conversation, but it's still not you that I'm angry with. You know, you sound like a lovely person who's really trying to go above and beyond to help me, but it's really, it's not resolving the situation. It does need to go further. And the girl who was trying to help me 
she was taken back. She said, I really appreciate you saying that because most people don't take the time to speak that kindly. They get so angry that they can't seem to bring it back or simmer down or be able to have a civilized conversation. I said, the reason I understand this is because I see many of my own young staff and a lot of them are young ladies like yourself. A lot of them have to go through this escalation situation. And when I say a lot of, I'm not talking about it's something that happens every day or it's a regular occurrence, but it happens often enough that it's a problem. It's a problem. It's more of a problem as we suggested at the start of the episode where COVID has made tempers flare more than what they used to be. Yes, there were Karens and Kens around during that time, but for some reason they're expressing themselves in a much more violent outburst. I think because of the, everything everyone's been through, they've been let down so many times by, by different circumstances, cancelled holidays and all sorts of different things. It just all comes to a, to a boiling point and a bit of rage, unfortunately. Probably the best points that I can give is to break up the complaint handling process in a few different manners and working with the client. First of all, staggering the actual complaint handling process by initially talking with the client, understanding, getting the information, um, so to speak, highlighting the fact that we want to help the client and understand what their concerns are and that the initial conversation is really about getting all the information so we can go away, investigate and sort of come back. From there, one of the biggest things, I think you mentioned a couple of times, Glenn, which I find really beneficial as well, is to bring people back to reality. And by that, I mean, is to give them some real life examples, similarly as I did before in terms of, you know, going to a hotel and, and me eating the door. Getting people's realistic um, expectations back to a level where they can actually relate it to something outside of the emotional part of it being an animal. We all have this deep love and passion for our pets. And because they can't talk to us or tell us what's going on, we start to, I think, build in our minds um, the scenario that's sort of gone on. And it's often not reality. We're in such, you said, such rage that just having some gentle reminders of circumstances that uh, that are outside of what's going on in their mind, just to bring them back to earth, goes a long way as well. Knowledge and investigation, I think, is an important part as well. Once you've gotten all the information, it's actually going away and, and fully understanding the circumstances that you're dealing with, understanding the history around it and, and gaining the knowledge if you don't already have it, um, to be able to provide a decent explanation to the client as well. A good example of that was we have some of the coranda beds, as you know, and uh, they're impervious of holding bacteria and all the bits and pieces. We sterilise those beds daily. We're using all the right chemicals that we should be. And we had a customer who went home and a week later rang us up, accusing us of giving her animals fleas. Anyone who understands the actual life cycle of a flea would understand that that's really not so possible <laughs> in the, the circumstances. Mm. The bedding we use, the bathing that we do, the environment that they are, and the fact that they've then rung us up a week later. And one thing that we do know is of, of the life cycle of a flea is that typically what happens is people tend to go away on holidays, larvae lays their eggs, then all of a sudden they come back and it's the vibrations and the noise um, once they've come home, which then the larvae then hatches and jumps onto the nearest thing that it can. 
And just having that little bit of knowledge and understanding those, what you're actually dealing with, allowed us in those circumstances to actually explain to them, put a timeline down and actually explain to the customer the possibilities of, and then all the not possibilities of what the claim was. And we were able to resolve that situation with the client in a peaceful manner because we had the knowledge and the expertise to be able to explain the situation and put it back on the client and lay it out. The execution is also important as well. Once you've got that information, you know, if you're dealing with your Karens and your Kens where a physical conversation is just not going to get you anywhere. I mean, I've been in those situations where literally I've explained it and then I've had to explain it another five more times to a point where we've just, you know, we're not going to get anywhere. We'll agree to disagree. And it's now just we need to execute. We need to we need to come up with a way to resolve this where both parties can move on. So it might be a situation where you are able to have that conversation and then follow up with an email, or it might be a situation where unfortunately you've got to sit down and actually spell it all out to the customer in a big long email so they actually understand the situation for what it actually is worth, um, what you guys physically saw and experienced. Um, and again, flicking back to what we've seen before, you know, it, what we experience in this you know, in a boarding situation is very different to what um, owners experience at home, the way the animals react to them and and what they're used to, you know, if, if a dog was fatter or thinner after coming home from a stay. Similarly, you know, we don't live with the dog. We don't always know 100% what it looks like at any given time. So it is sometimes hard and people need to, uh, I think, respect that and understand that we're doing everything that we possibly can to provide the love, care and affection, which is why we're in the industry. It's why we do what we do. Exactly, mate. There's some very sage advice in some of the points that you put forward there. One of the other things that I think really any business owner, especially in the pet care industry needs to do is as soon as there's a problem, get ahead of it, notify the client, let them know what happened. And if that dog needs to see a vet for any reason, don't delay. Let the owner know that as a healthcare professional or somebody who's a pet care professional, not so much a healthcare professional, in your professional opinion and in the opinion of the team that you feel more comfortable that that dog or that cat needs to see a a veterinarian, then do so. Don't delay. Get them seen to. It's much better if you get it done earlier on than you leave it and you create delay and then the issue escalates into a problem that could have been totally avoidable. There are some times where we have suggested to clients that we believe that their pet needs to see a vet. Sometimes they will say, oh, he or she has done this before. Just leave it for a period of time. Those sort of things are situations where you need to make sure that you've got written advice or written procedures in place. And usually if that is the case, we will say to the client, we believe that the pet needs to see a vet. The client will then reject it and say, we don't believe that they need to. If that is the case and you believe that in that situation, it's not vital that the pet see a vet, make sure that you do get it in writing from them. Like actually have an email where you send them and say to them on the phone, I now need to send you an email that stipulates that we would be more comfortable with your pet seeing a vet, but you've rejected that. It is your pet. You have the right to do so. And then have them send an email response to you saying, we, the owner of the dog, have rejected your claim to take the dog to the vet. We would be happy to wait and see what actually happens. But then you still need to monitor the situation. That doesn't mean that the situation has gone away. You do need to make sure that you're keeping an eye on it. And if it does escalate and the situation arises, ring the owner back again or ring their emergency contact. If you can't get hold of the owner, make sure you have an emergency contact. Somebody who knows that they're going to be accountable for the actions or behaviours of the dog, speaks English and are at home and will be able to be contacted and take direction if needed. In that situation, call them back. 
get straight on to them, let them know what the issue is. And then if all else fails, if that doesn't happen, then just make the executive decision as custodian of that pet to get it down and get it seen to. In a lot of these situations, getting ahead of it is something that will take away the surprise, take away the shock. So people aren't coming home from their holiday only to find there's a scratch on their pet's nose or they've cracked a nail or whatever it is. Sometimes it can be very minimal, but it can escalate because they're shocked when they get back and they find that there is an issue that nobody told them about. Whereas... Many times we've had dogs that are playing in daycare or something like that. Two dogs have jumped on each other. One has scratched their nose or clipped their ear or something like that. It's minor, very minor. It's very easy to treat. But what the pet nannies or the pet carers do is they get straight on the phone. They just say to the owner, they've taken a picture. They've said, hey, nothing to worry about at all. Your pet is fine. Just in the yard today, as dogs do, they were playing rough. One scratched the other one. Here is an image of it. We don't believe it needs to see a vet. We're monitoring it. There is no problem. The pet is happy and healthy and everything is going fine. Just so you know, 99% of the time, owners will respond and say, thank you very much. That sounds like my dog for sure. No problem. I really appreciate the call and I appreciate the picture. The situation is dropped. If, however, They come back on final inspection, they go home and nobody says anything to them and they find the cut, the scratch or the crack nail, then that's where the escalation point happens. So a lot of this can be resolved very, very early on. I'm a pet owner myself. So are you, Blake, both caring and emotional. We're very protective of our pets. We wouldn't accept or tolerate the same thing from other people in the industry. But what it has taught us is that if people are being honest and helpful and they're trying to resolve an issue with us, we would be patient and we would be accepting that sometimes things happen and sometimes my pet was the cause of that or at least contributed to the problem in it as well. Negligence is negligence across the board. And dishonesty is dishonesty. But when people are being professional, they're being courteous, they're being helpful, they're trying to resolve the issue, at least simmer the emotions and just try and talk with a rational point of view. And just remembering that you're not talking to the person who is directly responsible for the situation that happened. You're talking to somebody who is a representative of the organization most times, whether that be the manager the receptionist, the general manager, or even the owner of the company, they may not be the person who was directly involved when the incident occurred. They may be the person who is just simply there trying to help resolve it and trying to have a civilized conversation with you. Very well said. I think that's a good place to leave it. There is no one way to deal with this. I think that some of the suggestions that you've brought up have been absolutely great advice. We're both veterans now of this industry. We've both been in it for decades. We've both seen everything from the mildest to the most extreme. It is a difficult situation. I understand how harrowing it can be. For the younger staff in this organisation, as I've suggested before, you don't have to and no organization would ask you to take on verbal abuse. If you believe that it is escalated to a point where it's very unreasonable and very rude and it's getting quite personal, remind that person that they've crossed the line. The way that they've spoken to you is unacceptable. End the call and take notes during the call as well. Make sure you've got a pad and pen next to you. You're taking down notes of, of the conversation and then go and escalate it to your direct manager. Let them know what exactly what's happened and let them know what you have have suggested in it. The other thing to do is try not to appease people by offering information that you know nothing about. 
there are some times where I've seen less experienced staff who will try and offer up or try and diagnose what's going on. Just remember that we're not qualified or practicing veterinarians either. There is no point on trying to suggest what you think it is. That is a form of negligence in itself. And it's something that I would say to people, just don't do that. We need to operate in the scope and the field that we're professionally accountable for. If the dog needs to see a vet, that's what we need to do. We need to escalate it to a vet. Even if the dog has gone home and we believe that uh, the best thing to do would be a vet to check it out and then report to both entities, the owner and the business holder, that's the best thing to do in that sort of situation. Just don't get yourself into a situation where you're trying to advise on something that you have no qualification or no knowledge of. The best thing to do is to try and remain honest and vigilant in trying to help resolve the situation. And as I said before, escalate it to the right person. What we're trying to do here is we're trying to be professional and amicable and we're trying to resolve the issue, not create more escalation than what is needed. Absolutely. Agree entirely. (laughs) (laughs) Terrific. Blake, thank you very much for joining us, mate. Appreciate your time. I know you're a really busy guy. Fantastic to have you out there supporting the entire industry through the Australian Pet Care Association. I've said it right, haven't I? You have. The APCA, the Australian Pet Care Association. If you're not a member of the Australian Pet Care Association and you are an industry body, I would highly recommend that you get on board and support that. It is an organisation that fights for the improvement of all of us across the board from dog trainers to boarding facilities to daycare facilities, even catteries themselves. We're all part of the same network, part of the same family industry. Blake does a great job with his team. The entire staff are tirelessly looking into laws and legislation And some of those laws and legislation are just absolutely ridiculous. There are many times where local government or even state government, even federal government will get involved in something they have very limited knowledge about, often trying to remain relevant and trying to bolster their position in the community just by appeasing a small minority. There are many times where Blake and and the people behind the APCA are looking further into that and they will advise correctly on the situation and let some of these legislators know this is not correct. You're getting poor information. You really need to examine some of the facts behind what we're doing. They fight and they strive for all of us. They can only do so much if they don't have enough support behind them. We're totally behind them. We're members of them. We absolutely believe in the movement of it. It's great to be part of a member body that actually listens to your organization and is intimately involved because they're all part of the pet care fraternity. So please do what you can, get behind them. What's the website for that, Blake? It's literally the Australian Pet Care Association.com.au. So a bit of a long one, but that's just the, the name itself. Fantastic. So is it the association or? Just Australian Pet Care Association.com.au. Perfect. Okay. So go and check them out if you're part of, like I said, if you're a boarding facility, a training facility, a cattery or daycare, anything like that, go check them out. And if you can, join up. Once again, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate your knowledge and advice. And how can people find you if they need to get in contact? Contact me either at blake at sanfordpetresort.com.au or uh, by all means, welcome to give me a call on the mobile 0417-995-010. Always happy to help and assist. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. Before we end the episode, I'd like to thank our major sponsors, Pet Resorts Australia and Canine Evolution. You can find them on petresortsaustralia.com 
no AU at the end of that one. And canine evolution, it's the word canine, not K and nine, canineevolution.com.au. For all your pet care needs, go and check them out and find all the resources that they have available for all your pet care needs in training, daycare and boarding and cattery as well. Thank you very much, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Love some feedback as well. And you can find us on all major podcast directories. Until next time, we'll see you then. Mm -hmm.